Hey, it's Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doc. Thanks for joining me on my podcast, Tell Me Something Good About Retail, where I interview some of the best entrepreneurs and retailers and people who deal with retail in a new and exciting podcast format each week. So join me live here, or you can also find out more about me at retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com. Let's get going. So, Paul, tell me, how did you start off? In the business? Yeah. Well, I was going to school at the University of Washington. Okay. Uh, and uh, my father actually worked for the Singer Company at that time, and I needed a part-time job. And so he hooked me up with the local you know, local district manager, and I began you know, being a delivery driver part-time from the, uh, from the Singer store that was near the University. It was University Village store, which was near the University of Washington. Okay. And I gradually got into, at that time, they formed a service center, in that store and they began servicing all the machines from all the Seattle area stores at that place and I started to learn how to fix sewing machines. So when I graduated, when I was ready to graduate from the UW, uh, I didn't really have, I, I have a degree, I have a, I have a bachelor's degree in English writing, which uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to be an English professor and the local district manager offered me the job of managing the service center. So all of a sudden I was I was uh, I was managing. I was the youngest guy there managing, and I really didn't know really that much about service. But I took on the responsibility. I became the service manager okay. at Singer. Uh, the few you know, you fast forward a few years, and my father moved uh, moved back. He was in another city, and he moved back to the Seattle area, opened a small sewing machine store. Uh, and my wife at that time had to. We had just had our second child, and. Uh, and so she was looking for a part-time job, and he wanted, he was 62, and he wanted to have only work three days a week. So they formed this, this little, they, you know, they basically ran the store, uh, each of them working three days a week. And that lasted uh, uh, only about six months when he passed away suddenly. And we had had to face a decision, do we keep the store open or do we not? And we made the decision to... Uh, we made the decision to you know, keep the store open. I stayed at Singer another six months. Uh, we hired a we hired an employee, and uh, and we by the time that uh, it took about six months, we built up the business enough where I could replace my salary and cover the medical costs for my family. And that's when I left Singer and went to work full time. And to this day, I thank the Singer company for not paying very well because. <laughs> I never would have probably gotten to business for myself had that not happened. And how many stores do you have now? Uh, we have 13 stores uh, at this. Well, we have 12. We're opening the 13th. And how many employees store. is it? We have about 150 employees. Now, you you know, you were telling me earlier that um, uh, when people ask you, so, you know, what do you what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a sewing, uh, sell, I'm a sewing retailer. Is that it? And, uh, and they're like, oh, does anybody even sew anymore? And what do you tell them? Well, I tell them that it's kind of like what we do is kind of like sell Harley-Davidson's because what we're selling is we're selling a product that middle-aged people want, which is the high-end sewing machines and the high-end embroidery machines. It's, it's not about need. It's the same way that a, like a middle-aged gentleman will go out and buy himself a Harley because he's always wanted one. He doesn't buy it to drive to work. He doesn't buy it to save money. He goes out and spends 20 grand plus so he can ride it once a week to go out to the coffee shop and have, and have coffee with some friends. And oftentimes, many of our customers will buy the top-of-the-line sewing machine. They may not use it that much, but they've always wanted one. Other, others of our, of our uh, the other part of our business, I mean, 
it, you know, there are some of the enthusiasts who use it a lot, but at the end of the day, you know, we're in the hobby, we're in the hobby business. We're, we're selling things that people don't need. It's just like people don't need golf clubs unless you want to golf, and it's the same kind of idea. So we're selling that type of equipment. So our challenge is to, is to have people who are dialed into that, who are enthusiastic, and can inspire hobbyists, or people who want to be hobbyists, to look at the latest and greatest. I think that's great. You know, um, one of the things that really um, stands out for me is your whole idea of um, our goal is to say yes. Yeah, we call it finding a way to say yes. And there's only two people that can say no in your company. Exactly, myself and my daughter, who's my business partner, and that's it. That's it. So, how does how did that evolve, and and what does that mean to you? Why is that so important? Because you've well, said it like numbers of times when we've been talking to your employees. Well, you know, it evolved because over the years I've been doing this thirty five years, and the more employees you have, the more chance you have to get complaints. And usually, when you get a customer complaint, it's because somebody said no to them, and usually they, there was no reason they had to say no. They they say no, they. There's a lot of different ways to say no, but they'll say, no, we can't do that, or no, I, you know, and most of the time, if you go back and talk to the customer, there was a way to, there was a way to say yes. The reason we don't say the customer's always right, and we don't say uh, that you say yes to everything is because you can't do that. Uh, uh, you know, I have a cartoon that shows that shows a guy behind the counter and a lady and a lady holding a sewing machine there, and he's saying, uh, "How about if we? Uh, how about if we front? How about if we, you know, refund your money, give you a new product, and have the service and have the service manager shot? Would, <laughs> how would that be okay?" And it's kind of a joke on that, but uh, the one thing I've learned is that people, once they once they understand you're trying to help them people's requests are usually very reasonable. I would agree with that. And and it's a lot of, and the reason we call it finding a way to say yes is because you, you can't always say yes to exactly what they, you know, what they want. And sometimes they don't even know what the correct solution to their problem is. But, but it you, comes from they not feeling like they, like you heard them. Isn't that what it comes well, from? That's right. Usually I found that people will be, uh, People will be upset if they felt like they've been blown off or if you haven't taken them seriously. If you take their, if they come in with, with a request or a complaint and you take them seriously and you, you let them know first off that you want to help them, that you're on their side and that you're going to be their advocate and you're going to call and if you're the employee, you're going to call the owner or you're going to call the manager. You're going to, if you don't know what to do, that's okay. And that's what we try to train our staff and say it's okay if you don't know what to do, but it's not okay to say no. You know, if you find yourself saying no, you have to say that's wrong. I, that's not what I want to say. You want to be on the side of you, uh, you want to be on the side of the customer. And the cool thing is, many many times complaints turn into more business. It's 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 very common. It's, if someone comes in and they're mad, and when they realize you're going to take care of them, and you take care of them, you give them good service, they will buy something else on that very visit. And some of our best customers are people that I can remember coming in very upset about something. And since that time, they have spent literally tens of thousands of dollars because we took care of them. Yeah. And we didn't see the short side. A lot of times when I talk to other retailers, they say, well, I'm not going to give you. That was your mistake. I'm not going to give you your money back. Or, you know, we have a thing. You know, we service sewing machines. So sometimes the, the uh, you know, the, there are various parts. And sometimes we hand the, you know, we hand the machine back to the lady and there's a part missing that is a part that comes in and out. It's called the bobbin case. And, uh, and she says, no, I'm sure I brought it in. And I've heard people argue, well, no, we wrote right down. It, was, it, was, it wasn't here when you brought it in, and they're $35. 
Now, what we do as a policy, if the customer says you brought it in, you say, boy, I'm really sorry if we've lost it. Here's a new bobbin case, no charge. Done. Now, if you get home and you happen to find that you find it there, let us know and you bring the new one back. And people love that, and it's amazing how many times people will come back in a week later and say, you know, I did find the bobbin case. But the point is, we didn't say no to them. No, you're wrong. We and said, accuse them, which is, yeah. yes, you never had it. Exactly. We're on their side as their advocate. Now, sure, over the years, I'm sure I gave away some bobbin cases to people who didn't bring them in. But at the end of the day, if I can keep a customer, the value of that customer to me, because after all, she's a hobbyist, she never has to come back. No one needs basically what we sell in our core business, which is sewing. Nobody needs this stuff. It's all about hobbies. So if it's not fun to come in our store, if they don't feel respected, they're not going to come back. But if they and do she'll tell, tell her friends. And they'll tell their friends. That's right. And nowadays, they can tell their they can tell the whole world. It's not just their friends. It's yeah, yeah. Yelp and everything else. So uh, just so you know, he their service center here. Uh, how many repairs did he say yesterday? You've we done fifteen thousand. We repairs? did last year. We did just over fifteen thousand repairs. Yeah, that's crazy. That that's serves crazy. it serves our uh, it serves our thirteen, you know, our thirteen stores. Now we were talking about. Uh, <clears throat> you're also sharing with me the difference. You have two stores. One's doing really well. One may not be. What do you think the difference is there? The difference is almost always the staff, and it's it's really two. There's really two issues. If you don't, you have to have first off people who are getting along and they're having fun. Because once again, if you're if you're in the hobby, if, you know you know if you're the consumer, you want to go into a store where it's a fun place to go. And if the staff is having fun, if they're dialed into what they're doing and they're dialed into giving great service, they will be more successful. People will buy more stuff. And the other part of that is they have to be. We always say that you need to give people great service, but you need to also ask them to buy something every time they visit. Because Wait a minute, you mean like every time? Every time. So someone just comes in and says they're just looking around, they just, you're going to make sure that they... they well, we're going to, we want to at least offer them something because after all, they came in for a reason, right? I mean, they just don't, people, it's not like Safeway or the grocery store where you're going to go every week to buy milk. They, they never have to cross our threshold. So the only reason they're in there is they have some interest. So if we don't, if we don't show them, if you know, you know, if they leave without buying something, we have to ask ourselves what we did wrong. Right? And usually, it's not asking; it's it's not showing. Is that it? Yeah, it's just not showing them. It's just not. Imp- it's what we call impulsive. It's saying, you know, I know you're just here to buy this accessory item, but you know, have you ever seen how this? How this machine you threads a needle automatically or have you ever seen this cool new product because you were just telling me that maybe you're into quilting and we have a brand new machine that really is a lot of fun for your quilting you want to take just a minute i know you're not in the market today but would you like to take a minute and just look at it oh yeah sure so that's that's how the good salespeople approach them and of course not everyone's going to buy the new quilting machine but the people if they don't do that as part of what they're doing as their daily Yes, your daily interaction though with customers, then they don't have any sale at all. So the difference, to answer your question, difference between the store that's succeeding and the store that's being medi- uh, mediocre, is they have sales staff who are constantly just offering new product in yeah. a fun way to people. The other store is waiting for people to walk in and say, "I'm in the market for a sewing machine." <laughs> How and many times that happen? It doesn't happen as nearly as much as you'd like. And if we, if that's all, that, that's the only way we sold them, we would not be in business. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is the key, is that you're making the sale because you know that they're there. And ultimately, um, if they didn't have the time, they wouldn't have stopped in either. But it also keeps your mind fresh, doesn't it? I mean, well, that's it means- right. If you're, that's, that's, I mean, and that's a key point. And that's what I, and that's, and that's uh, what I say, you know, when I train staff is that 
when you create a demo, first off, you know, you, you know, a lot of the, the many of the sales are actually created sales. That's why we say the amount of sales we can get is not finite. I mean, it's may, maybe it's not infinite, but it's definitely not finite. It's if one person is, if you're creating sales on a consistent basis, you're going to sell more. But when we look at, we have a metric how we measure salespeople, it's sales per hour, which is a pretty common metric, but we also break it down into categories of what they sell. And the good salespeople are not just selling just, say, sewing machines, or they're not just selling other you know, vacuums or other items that we sell. They sell across the board. They're selling all those products, but they're selling service plans, they're selling add-ons, and you look at what they're selling, and because they, they are like the Ever-Ready Bunny or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is, they're constantly selling, and because you're constantly selling, you're way better at it. If you, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't demonstrate a product very often and you wait for the lady to come in and say, I'm, I'm looking for, I want to look at the top of the line, uh, your brand X and sewing machine or brand Y, uh, and you haven't demonstrated in a few weeks, you're, you know, your demo is going to be terrible. Whereas if you're demonstrating it all the time because you're creating those sales, not only are you planting the seeds that may, that may give you future sales, but you're also, you're also good at it now because you're doing it all the time. So then when the lady comes in who is ready to buy, she gets a, you know, she gets a great demonstration. That's a huge point. It's yeah. a huge point because they have to, it can't look difficult. The machines are not difficult, but if you're fumbling around because you're <laughs> because you right. haven't done it, you haven't you haven't demoed that particular model maybe in a month, you're not going to be near as good as someone who just who has demoed it five times this week. Yeah, and that's and that's really the key to our success. And again, 35 years, 13 stores, pretty amazing. Um, so how do you deal with setbacks? You must have had setbacks. I mean. This is an incredibly accomplished guy I get to talk to today, folks, but uh, you must have had big setbacks. What do you do when something like happens to you? Um, you just get up the next morning and go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess that's, that's I, mean, I don't know. I mean, the setbacks, you deal with them one at a time. And you... Do you spend time looking at what online's doing to you? Do you spend time calling your buddies and talking about that stuff? Well, I, or spend, what do you do? I mean, I talk to other retailers. I look at... I. Uh, I look at what's happening online. I don't worry about it too much because we have to, you know, because you know, you know, we do have a website that, and that's a growing part of our business. So we are, uh, we are, uh, we are selling in that space. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to. What we're really selling is we're selling that personal service, and we're selling the the hands-on experience. And we're selling, you know, the sewing classes and the events, yeah. the types of things where consumers can come in and actually, you know, you know, attend an event learn about sewing techniques and have hands-on experience with you know, with brand new machines and that sells machines and and the online experience just they just can't, can't do duplicate that. that so that's yeah. the one thing that we have that they can't duplicate online is we have uh, we have that face-to-face -face interaction and that's why finding a way to say yes and making sure every customer gets a great experience is so critical because if we lose a customer because we did something stupid like you know, that we blew them off, we just weren't paying attention to their needs, or we argued with them or told them they were wrong, they leave the store, they never come back. You know, they may, you know, they may quit sewing and take up another hobby. Uh, they, or they may just you know, begin trading elsewhere. But when I look at the, at the time value of each customer, it's huge. And those people keep coming back when we have new products introduced, they come back and they bring their, their three or four year old sewing machine in that's perfectly good, state of the art, but there's a new better one that is coming out that is even cooler, and they trade that back, and we and we and we have another sale from the same person which, that we sold. Which fits into what you said that it's not a finite sale. See, I think that's really important too, 
because you're not looking at, oh, we sold that machine. Like the salesperson, like, well, done and I'm there. You're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's, that's, right. just, that's just one of many. That's right. So now yeah. you have to get back on the horse and you have to find a way. And plus there's many other assorted products that go along with it. So as someone becomes an enthusiast, it's not just buying just the machine. It's buying the other products. Sure. So we want to keep them coming. We have, we have various programs that are designed to keep people coming back to the store monthly so that they can be exposed to the new products on a consistent basis. Nice. And um, so uh, we're... Um, one of the questions I always like to ask is, um, so a friend of yours comes to you and says, hey, Paul, I think I want to open my own retail store. What would you tell him? Are you, are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but I think, it's, I think there's a lot of opportunity, uh, but you can, I would better have eyes wide open about the realities of what it is because it's, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, it better be something you love to do uh, and you better make sure you understand the business. Because if you don't, it just, I mean, I don't know, you know, just like people who come into our business and don't understand what it is, they may not last very long. So I guess. Uh, That's it. And you do have to love it. I know um, my business, you know, I kind of fell into it. I got my degree was in conducting and then I have minor in business. And I'm out there and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this. My part-time job became my career. And I think that's the story of a lot of entrepreneurs. Because suddenly you look and you say, well, why am I chasing this opportunity over there when this one is right here that I seem to be good at and I seem to like doing it? And and I think that's really good. Um, And... And... um, One of my... The the title of this podcast is Tell Me Something Great About Retail. So what do you think would be great? What's great about working in retail? What's great about working in retail? 35 years, I mean, I hope there's something. There is something. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think that uh, what I've learned and what we do is what I'm really proud of is that we can give people, you know, a, we can give them great service. And it, and because you, because your great service is free. And you, and it always amazes me when you go into retail stores and you get bad service. Because and the reason it's free is that maybe maybe you have to have people who are trained a little bit better and people who you pay a little bit more. But when they're dialed into the customer, they you know they're a lot more successful, and 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 it's a lot more fun when you you know what when you give people the great service. First off, it blows them away. They're excited, and it doesn't you know and it doesn't cost anymore. You're there anyway. You want to have fun and treat them well and treat them like a human, uh, and. Uh, or do you want to just you do the bare minimum? And so many retailers you go into, it's kind of yeah. the bare minimum. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, I can do that. If you, you, you know, if you go the extra mile, you get a lot of great rewards. And we've grown this business to, we've been very successful. It's been a, a great, uh, it's been great for, you know, for me and my sure. family. Uh, but it's also, but we have a lot of employees. We have, like I said, 150 employees that are paid well and they have benefits. And I'm really proud of that, that we were able to do that in a retail environment that everyone says today is far more competitive you know, than it's ever been. Uh, but I think there's still a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that always comes down to, again, at the end of the day, it's still about people. And it's ultimately you're able to make a difference with the people working for you, but also your your shoppers. Um, I think that that's kind of it. Is there... Um, what do you think there's a secret to having keeping great employees? Because that's a little bit that we'll make this our last question. Just because um, so many of your employees have been with you for a long time, they like have. five or ten years, and you also a person have a lot of standards. It's not easy to stay with you, I wouldn't think, for that long. Well, I mean, I think the secrets are you have to treat people. You have to. They have to be the right people. I mean, it has to be doing something that they enjoy. I mean, this you know, retail is not the right place for a lot of people, and so you have to find the people who it is, who you know. 
who enjoy helping customers, they have to be they have to be outgoing, they have to like helping people. I think that's mm. one of the keys. Uh, the other thing is you have to pay people fairly. You have to have some benefits and some reasons. The one thing I've done for you know for many many years is just a small thing, but every uh, every year on their birthday they get a birthday card from me that's handwritten with a fifty dollar check, and we've done that for. When we first started doing it, people I would tell us, "Hey, are you nuts? You're going to give away all this money." But I get more. I always. It's very common when somebody's a new employee; they don't know when they hire on that we do that. That and their birthday comes and it blows them away, and they and they and and I'll get a handwritten note back says I've never even had a birthday card from an employer, much less a little you know just a you know fifty dollar check. And so you know, to me, it just shows that I that I respect them and that they're valuable. And I think that's the key to any relationship is when is when you is when people know that you value them and you value what they do, uh, they are gonna they're gonna respect that and they're gonna work hard for you. That's I couldn't agree more. That's a great place for us to end. Again, next time, uh, visit retaildoc.com dot slash podcast to learn about my next guest. And if you've enjoyed uh, hearing what Paul Laponte has had to say with us today at Quality Sewing, uh, how can they find out more about you? You can find out at our website. It's uh, it's 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 uh, it's www.qualitysewing.com. Perfect. I hope you'll join me next week when I interview Melanie Tillets from the UK and her Tillets brand of women's clothing. She shares how to build anticipation before an event, the importance of not labeling your customers, and you don't have to just stand there and wait for them to come in. You have to use social to get customers to come and buy from you. In fact, that's why she has 50,000 followers on Facebook. I'll share that and more with you next week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doctor. Please share the love and tell your friends to subscribe as I engage retailers to share their tips for growing your retail business. Find out more about me at retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com. While you're there, you can find a transcript of this podcast. You can send an email to me at bob at retaildoc.com to tell me what you thought of this episode. And or you can leave a comment and share your experience right here as it relates to what we were talking about today. Again, I hope you'll tune in for another episode and good selling.